hey, I'm beginning a new series today called Rooted. And um, this series will take us all the way through the Advent season, which we don't have long before then. I think there's like three weeks until we start at the beginning of December. And uh, Pastor Mike, he's preparing our Advent uh, series this year. He's going to be preaching two of those messages. I'm going to be preaching one. And then that's going to lead right into our Christmas Eve uh, services, which we'll have two on Christmas Eve morning. So I think we've got a, a 9 and a 1045. So we've, we have some options and then um, that will conclude our, our Christmas uh, season. Now, I just finished a series on uh, the Holy Spirit where I shared with you that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us for the empowerment uh, of our relationship between us and the Lord and empowerment for us to be the church. But the reality is that the thing that we need to remember is that God has a part and we have a part. God has a part and we have a part. And in this series, Rooted, in this Rooted series over the next three weeks, uh, what I want to do is I want to guide you in what the Bible says about our choices that can either help us or hurt us in the pursuit of following Jesus. Being rooted in our faith and actually being the church. Here's what the psalmist says. You don't have to turn there, but I just want to want to share with you a scripture about what the psalmist says about our life that's rooted in their faith. In Psalm 1-1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, medita- meditating on it day and night. And they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. And their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. All right, now, I want you to think with me just a minute. In order for a seed to grow and prosper, what's the first thing that has to happen? It has to be planted. Okay, good. You caught on real quick glad. Uh, But ultimately, the condition uh, of the soil has a lot to do with the growth of the seed, yes or no? Okay. In this passage that we're about to read in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a story, a parable uh, that talks about the condition of the soils of our heart in a way that we can understand. And the condition of it is to receive the gospel message. Now, when we think the gospel message, often we can think this is just about salvation. But the gospel message, it is salvation, but that's how it, the gospel message, that's how we receive it. But when we open the gospel, the good news of the gospel, it is everything that the believer needs to uh, walk in their faith. The, the good news of the gospel, it's not just salvation, it's everything that salvation has to bring to us as believers. It's a power punch of a message. The good news of the gospel. There are life choices that must take place to put ourselves in the best possible position to be used by the Holy Spirit and to grow and prosper in our relationship with God. There are things that have to happen. But it all starts with the condition of your heart. We're going to see that in the passage. Now, I've got three questions for you. And we're going to revisit these three questions at the end. But here, and I don't want you to answer these out loud. They're rhetorical. So I just want you to, here's the question for you. Do you want, do you really want to grow in your relationship with God? Don't answer that. You just answer that among yourself. Do you really want to grow in your relationship with God? 
Now, here's some questions then that maybe you could ask the Holy Spirit or that he might need to speak to us today, and here they are. What is the condition of the soil of your heart? Now, I want you to just think about that and hold it as we move through the message. What's the condition of the soil of your heart? And then here's the, here's the other question that I'm, we're asking the Holy Spirit to answer for us through this message. What do you need to adjust in your life by the help of the Holy Spirit to create the kind of conditions where you can grow in your relationship with the Lord? Okay? Fair enough. Why don't we stand in honor of reading of God's Word? We're in Matthew 13. We're going to begin in verse 1, but before we do, we're going to pray, asking the Holy Spirit uh, to guide us today. Holy Spirit, we need you. You are welcome here, God. And we declare before you today that we are desperately need for you to show up. Speak to us. Lead us into truth of your word. Fall heavy on this message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing. Here we go. We're going to start in verse 1, uh, chapter 13. Jesus has been teaching, by the way. And then he said, it says, Later the same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. So here's the story. Listen, a farmer went out to plant seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil and under underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now... Let me just stop right there before we go on. The only way that you can, what he's talking about is not physical and understand with your mind. He's talking spiritual. If any, let anyone who has spiritual ears and to listen and spiritual understanding, let him, let him understand in the spirit. Now, go to verse 18. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So now he's telling them the explanation. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the word of God, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lures of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. God bless the reading of his word. 
You may be seated. If you're taking notes today, here's number one. And having a life that's rooted, we we got to understand that a hardened or oblivious heart is barren. A hardened or an oblivious heart is barren. I want you to look back at verse 19. It says, the, the seed that fell on the footpath, or in some translations it says the wayside, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. Now, this footpath or this wayside, it's, it's like what we would think of maybe a sidewalk or a road beside a field. Okay, beside, beside a, a field or soil or a yard. And it's, it's just it's a, a, a traveled path. Pack, it's packed out. It's hard. Have you ever seeded your yard? Have, doing yard maintenance, you ever seeded it and put the seed in the spreader and you walk behind or you walk behind and, and spread seed over your yard? And at going back and forth, you do that and you've, you go next to the sidewalk or, or whatever and seed gets on the sidewalk or your driveway. Have you ever had that happen? Yes. Okay, you're with me. All right, now, does that seed that landed on the sidewalk or on the driveway, does it take root? Does grass grow on the sidewalk or the driveway? No. Uh, why? Why doesn't it? It's hard. It doesn't have anywhere to go. There's nowhere for it to take root. There's no soil there. It didn't have anywhere to go. That's the picture here that he's talking about. See, there are some people, there are many people actually, who are opposed to the good news of the gospel. Their hearts are hardened for whatever reason. And there are some who are just, they're just oblivious to it. You're either hardened by circumstances or you come to it with a stiff arm or you're oblivious to the gospel. They hear it and either way they don't want to understand it or they're blind and ignorant to it. They can't understand. They either don't want to or they can't. But either way, in any of those situations, the soil is inhospitable to the seed that's being planted. Now, we know, yes or no, that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in the, all around the world and convincing the world that they need a Savior. He's all, he's, yes, he's constantly doing that work. Okay, He's constantly tilling the soul of the hearts of men so they'll, they'll be susceptible. Their hearts will be conditioned to receive the gospel message. That's the Holy Spirit's job, and he's very good at his job. But we also know that Satan, the enemy, is working 24-7 to keep people in the dark from understanding the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, If the good news that we preach is, being, is hidden behind a veil... In other words, if it's not being understood, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is, who is the exact likeness of God. So you better believe that Satan is working to keep you from the truth of the word, even having it come in contact with your mind. He doesn't even want a non-believer thinking about it. You've got to know. So how does he do that? How does Satan do that? How is, how is he working? What does that look like, Pastor? See, here's what Satan will do. He will orchestrate false evidence to try to discredit God's word. 
And maybe because of things from your past, things that have happened in your past like wounds or hurts or abuses or trauma or whatever has happened, which we've all had those things happen to us. But you know what Satan will do? He will come and he'll lie to you and he'll take those things from your past and he'll put you in a stronghold to where you don't even want to hear it. And you've, you've heard it said before, if God were a loving God, then why would he have allowed that abuse to happen to me? If he were a loving God, why didn't he show up when I needed him to show up? Why did he allow me to do that if he were a loving God? I don't even want to hear it. Listen, if you're here today and you have been turned off to the gospel, the talk of being born again, you don't want to hear it. If you're here today, for whatever reason, you've stumbled into this place and you don't want to hear the things of the gospel, the turn off is an active manipulation of Satan in your life to keep the seed of the gospel from penetrating the soul of your heart. I'm just being honest with you. Here's how I know that. Here's how I know that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He, God, has planted eternity in the heart, in human hearts. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You know what that tells us? You know what that tells me? It tells us that God has put in all of us a sense that this world is not all that there is. There is a higher being. There is a God He's put that in there. There's something beyond what we cannot see. There's something beyond this world what we cannot understand. Also what I know is he's put in every human heart a restlessness in the hearts of man. Do you know what we all want? We all want peace. We all want purpose. And we all want love. We're, we're born with a, we need those things. We all need peace in our life. We all need, we all need love. We all need purpose. Now I want you to hear me. Those longings, peace, love, purpose, they do not come from the world. That is not a flesh nature response. They originate from God. We would not have those longings without the whole working of the spirit of God. And he plants those longings in us. Do you want to know why he plants those longings in us? So that we would look for him. That it's so to turn our hearts to him. That's why. That's how he's always worked. That's how he's always worked. And the truth of the gospel is, is where we find the peace and purpose and love and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing, listen to me, it is the only thing that will settle the restlessness and longing in the hearts of men. Every man and woman, boy and girl is born with it. You have that restlessness. The gospel, Jesus Christ, is the only person who will settle that for you. So for the answer to be proclaimed like it is today, for the answer to the longings that God has planted in every man to be proclaimed and it fall on hardened or oblivious hearts, you can guarantee that you've been lied to by Satan and that you've fallen victim to a lie. You can guarantee it. And if you're here today and you've never understood or you've not even wanted to understand the gospel, you've never connected with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you didn't just, I just didn't float my boat, it doesn't do anything for me. If you're listening to me today online and you've never connected with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I guarantee you a veil has been placed over your eyes and you've believed a lie about God somewhere along the way that has been peddled to you by your enemy. But I also know this, that the Holy Spirit has been at work or is at work right now convincing you that you need a Savior and Jesus is the answer. 
So my question to you is if you have a hardened or oblivious heart, will you change your mind today? Will you agree with God today because a hardened and oblivious heart will be a barren heart to the things of the Spirit? You will always wrestle with the longing that God, only God can fill. Here's number two. Here's what we can learn. A troubled heart produces shallow roots. Verse 20, Matthew 13, verse 20, it says, The seed of the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. That's good news, isn't it? But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. All right, now think about the soil that Jesus is describing here. You've got some topsoil. Okay, there's some topsoil there. But it's shallow, and right underneath is a bunch of rocks. That's like life in Tennessee. If you own land in Tennessee, it's probably good that you, you probably have shallow topsoil and rocks there. Okay? When seed hits that kind of soil, it res- quickly responds. Okay, we see that in our yards when we plant seed. It quickly responds. It'll come up. It'll sprout pretty quickly, but then what happens? It dies. It dies. The root, cannot, it can't go but so far, so it pops up quickly and then it hits the rock and then it dies. That's what happens when someone receives the gospel but has a troubled heart. All right? At first, the, the person responds enthusiastically, maybe, quickly. Yes, they're open to it. Yes, I'll do that. See, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. There's not a problem with someone receiving the word suddenly, hearing it, and receiving There's not a problem with that, see? There's not a problem with the sudden growth. That's not a problem. Well, that's good, okay? The problem is the lack of depth. That's the problem. In other words, when he says they don't have deep roots, what he means there, if we look it up, is they don't have deep convictions, you could say it this way. If someone who has shallow, it's someone who has shallow intentions with the gospel. What do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean by that? What I mean is someone going through a hard time, maybe a vulnerable time in their life. We're looking for answers, we know that. We're looking for something. May very well enthusiastically and quickly be responsive to the gospel message. We might, they might, they would be, they might be. For the reason that it would be a quick fix for their problems, to all their problems. You following what I'm saying? Sign me up if it'll fix all my problems. Do you know we have pastors across pulpits across the world that will peddle that kind of salvation experience, the good news of the gospel. If you want your, prob- your problems to go away, just trust in Jesus. All you have to do is just say this prayer and, 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 and you, you, you're going to be blessed. And they'll peddle that. I tell you, the Christian life is the hard road. It's the hard road. It's the hard road. But sometimes we can answer enthusiastically. We can receive that. Yes, 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 this is going to fix my problems. But when the conditions aren't just right, 
or that root hits some resistance in one of those rocks in your soil, that growth quickly withers and dies, maybe because of discouragement. I'm so discouraged. I can't even think about that right now. I can't even do that. Or that salvation just didn't do it. It didn't do its thing for you. It didn't do what I thought. God hasn't done for me what have I expected him to do in my life. He didn't do things the way I thought he was going to show up. He didn't show up that way. This Christian thing is too hard. I'm trying. I'm embarrassed by it. It's alienating me from my friends, from my family. It's just too hard. You want to know the truth, though? The truth is, sometimes the plot of land that we're given is just rocky. You know that? Nothing anybody can do about that. Sometimes the plot of land that we're given is just rocky. But you want to know the good news about the gospel when it comes to that? The gospel can grow in rocky soil. It can. See, that's good news. But the soil has to be tended. The rocks have to be busted up and thrown out. They have to be pulled out of the ground. It has to be tended. How do we even do that? How do I do that, pastor? If I if I'm in if that if you're just if I'm describing you and you're asking how do I do that? I've got some I got some rocky soil. And I I believe the gospel. I've received it, but I'm having a tough time. I'm going to have a tough time because it's hit some rocks. My faith isn't very strong. How do we do that? I'm going to tell you. Every time you pick up the word of God and you open it and you seek to understand it with all of your heart, you put a hand to the plow on the soul of your life. Every time you spend time in prayer, fervently calling out to God, every time you worship him, you turn to him in worship, seeking his face and his ways, not yours. He starts to take a sledgehammer to the rocks in the soil of your life. Every time you obey something that the Spirit is prompting you to do, guess what? You're churning up the soil in the heart of your life, making it more and more hospitable to the gospel. Making it more hospitable to what God wants to tell you in your life. Every time. Pastor, it's hard for me to do that on my own. I don't even know where to start. You know what? That's why we have the body. That's why we have the body. Have you ever seen Little House on the Prairie? I love Little House on the Prairie. I am Charles Ingalls. <laughs> I see a lame animal, I cry. I see a baby, I cry. Just whatever, I cry. Um, there was an episode, I think it might have been the pilot episode... Um, maybe it was called a harvest of friends. I don't know if anybody ever remember that episode. Um, it was time to plant. I'm going to tell you about it. I wish I could show you, but I can't, but I'm gonna tell you about it. It was time to plant the farm and Charles, uh, as always had, they had no money, right? And, uh, he was working hard at several jobs. He'd made some deals. He had, he'd worked for some seed. He got seed to plant. And then he had made a deal with a guy um, for a plow. He's like, I'll work and I'll stack this and I'll get a plow out of it. It was a used plow. He's like, he didn't care. So he was working. Well, his family, they had all gone out to, um, they had all gone out to a picnic and a kite got caught in a tree in this episode. So Charles cries and he scurries up the tree and, uh, he gets the, but when he's getting the kite, he falls out of the tree and gets hurt. Okay. 
and he's all bandaged up. He gets, he gets hurt. Um, he tried to fill his commitments hurt, and, uh, but he was in so much pain that he, I mean, there was one part in the episode where he just falls out. And, you know, his kids are always right there, and they're watching him, you know. Well, when he fell out, the kids came and rushed to him, and they started to try to finish the job for him. And then in that episode, um, the, the guy he made the deal with for the plow, he, he really wasn't as understanding, and they missed the deadline. He missed the window of getting the job done when he was supposed to get the job done, and the guy says, you didn't get the job done on time, so you don't get the plow. So Charles goes home, and he tells Caroline, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do. We're not going to have a... Y'all, y'all remember this episode? Y'all with me? Okay. I know. Y'all are like, yes, 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 yes. So he was home. All of a sudden, they hear a knock on the door. And Charles opens the door, and he walks out, and he, and he sees all of his neighbors had brought their plows and their horses, and they were plowing his field. They were doing what he couldn't do. They were breaking it up for him so he, that he could plant. See, they had seen how hard that he was trying to work. They had seen it. And they felt compassion on him. And they all pitched in to help him plow the land. Now here's the point. That's what the church community is for. Sometimes because of circumstances beyond your control, you're down and you're wounded. And sometimes it's hard for you, you, you're trying, but sometimes it's hard for you to plow up that rocky soil. But you need to. It's got to get done. You need the church family to come alongside and help. But listen, you must make the effort. Be here. Be involved. Take responsibility. Be in a Bible study class. Be in worship. Offer to serve. Do what you can and give what you've got. Here's the deal. If your soul is not healthy enough for the truth of the word of God to take root, you will not be sustained through difficulties in your life. You will not be. It takes deep and strong roots growing in healthy soil to weather the stormy seasons. So a troubled heart produces shallow roots. Here's number three. A distracted heart bears no fruit. A distracted heart bears no fruit. Look back at verse 22. It says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the words of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. Now, I grew up on an 80-acre farm. Um, my parents built their house on the corner of my grandparents' land, um, 80 acres there. We had there. Now, my, my grandfather was a farmer. That was his trade. He, he, he um, farmed cotton, soybeans. But then also, too, up closer to the house, he always had a garden. And my parents, for the most, most part, had a garden that we would grow our fruits and vegetables. So uh, he was doing that. So uh, they would plow the field, mostly my dad my granddad, when I was really little. But when I was old enough, then I helped on that, too. But they would, they would take the tractor, and they would uh, disc the field. They would create the rows. And then either my dad or my granddad would take a, a, a handle of a hoe or a rake. And he would go along the rows, and he would poke holes... 
And he would walk every so often and he would just poke those holes. And then somebody, one of us mostly, would come behind and we'd drop a seed in and cover it up. Drop a seed, cover it up. And that's how we would plant the rows. Okay. Anybody else have that kind of life too? Or you, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So we would do that. But that wasn't all. See, once we planted, once we planted the, 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 the crop, once we planted the, the seeds, uh, we didn't just stand by and wait. You can't do that. Uh, we had to tend the garden. And that was part of some of our chores. We had to go out and tend it. Now, to tend the garden every week, we had to, uh, the weeds had to be pulled, okay, so that they wouldn't overtake the rows and choke out the, the seeds that we had planted and choke out the, the uh, early plants. But also, not, that, not only that, but we had to put up a fence around the garden uh, to protect it from the coyote, coyotes, from the cows, We'd have deer come through, and if we did not, if we didn't protect it, if we did not tend the garden, they would ruin the garden. The garden wouldn't, it, it would be ruined. And at best, uh, it, it would either choke out the plants or it just would not be the best opportunity for harvest. Now, if we got distracted, which was easy to do, if we got distracted or too busy to tend the garden, inevitably, the garden would, have been, would be destroyed. Now, that's the same thing that Jesus is saying that happens to a distracted heart in this passage. This is the person who hears the word. So you're in Bible study. You're in worship. Okay, you're doing that. You give. The seed's planted. Okay, you're doing, you're doing all right. But you're distracted. And you're not protecting what's been planted. So what's distracting you? Look. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is cried out by the worries of this life and the, look at this, and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Now, I want you to look at that word lure. That word lure translated is deception or false impression. So in other words, you've been tricked by lust. That's what he's saying. So the worries and the deception of wealth in your life so no fruit is produced. Here's the problem. You have a heart for godly things. You're part, you do. You have a heart for godly things. You want to live a godly life. You want to. You want to do what's right. You want a blessed life. That's like you, that's, you, you genuinely want that. But you also want money. You also want status. You also want to be well-liked. You also have your own personal ambitions. Now, Matthew 6, 24 says something. You know this verse is familiar to you. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Look at this, what he says. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy or distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Do you know what James calls this? If you read this in the book of James, he also talks about this. He calls someone who is in two different places, their hearts in two different places, he calls that double-minded. 
Double-minded in scripture, it literally means to be two-spirited. You're vacillating between two ideas, your two opinions, two purposes. You're vacillating there. You see, you're interested in Christian, you're interested in the Christian things, you're interested in Jesus, but you're also interested in your own things. Somewhere along the road, you've separated your faith life from your work life. You got your life life, and then you got your church life. Somewhere along the way, that's been separated. Here's how I think about that. Take two A-frame ladders. You got an A-frame ladder over here and an A-frame ladder right beside it over here. One of it, this is your, you going, your relationship with the Lord. This is your relationship or, your, or this is you building your career and your life. And this person double-minded, you've got one foot on the rung, the first rung of this ladder and one foot on the rung of this ladder. Then you continue to try to move up in your relationship with the Lord. So you try to go to the next rung and then you're still moving up in, on this, in this mindset and you're moving up on the next rung. Now what's happening to your feet the higher you try to climb up both of those? They're getting closer together or further apart? Further apart until, until you're here trying to balance on two ladders and at some point you're going to have to make a decision. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Because you cannot keep going in both ways. You cannot be double-minded. You cannot. You're going to have to make a choice. Some people will say, and I've heard them say, well, pastor, I have to provide for my family. God knows I have to provide for my family. Listen to me carefully. That's a misnomer for a believer. That's a misnomer. See, that sounds good and noble. And yes, it's true. You do. You do. And it's something that almost no one can argue But here's what happens. When you try to provide for your family on your own terms, when you try to do it and you try to climb the ladder of success, whatever that looks like for you, on your own terms, with your flesh thoughts and your decisions, with your personal ambitions and goals and drives, you might be providing for your family and your power, but I guarantee you that your home and your relationships, including your relationships with your relationship with God, will be out of order. The alternative is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added. See, surrender to his provision for you and your family. Here's the alternative. You surrender to him, let him provide for your family. Ask the Lord, Lord, tell him, I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to put my relationship with you first. I I want what you want for my life. See, if you approach God that way, that's a different story. God, you tell me where to work, I'll go work there. You tell me how to work, I'll work that way. I'll steward the finances how you lead me to steward them. I'll live my life and lead my family with with you calling the shots and I'm gonna trust you to provide for my family. See, now all of a sudden, That narrative has changed. You're not living double-minded then. Your mind and your heart and your actions are now incredibly open to what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to provide for you. And he can provide for you and your family way more than you could ever provide for them because he loves them more than you do. See, you still have responsibility. You still gotta gotta brush your teeth. You still gotta get up and get dressed. You still gotta go. You still gotta put in hard work as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. You still have a responsibility, but you're not in charge. That's the difference. You're not in charge. You're just taking orders from the master and he's providing for the family. 
But a distracted heart, if you're distracted by those two things, you, you will bear no fruit. Here's number four and final. A fertile heart sustains life. Matthew 13, 23 says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Hearing and understanding, those are two different things, right? Those are much, much, much different things. Hearing and understanding. You can hear what I'm saying today. You can even agree with what I'm saying today. You can do both of those things and you can still fail to understand the ramifications of what I'm sharing with you today. Part of understanding something is understanding how it applies to you and how it will bring change if you apply it and then experience the application. See, part of understanding is experience. You can't just have a head knowledge. You have to, have an experience. You have to experience. Hearing the gospel is one thing. But when you hear the gospel and you open it up and you begin to experience all the wonderful grace and freedom that's in the gospel, that's a different story. That's a different life. That's a different understanding. A person that has a fertile heart is a hearer and a doer of the word. You hear it and you do it. You come in on Sunday morning and you hear the truth of a message. And then you, you leave and you, you ask, God, how do I apply this? And you put things into action. It's not just coming here and checking off a box and then going home and living your life just like you've always lived it. Saying the same old things, doing the same old things, just all the time. That's an, that's an, you're not understanding People who understand the person with a fertile heart, hear, do or the word, they accept it and they do the hard work of nurturing it in their lives. You let the truth of God's word convict you. Oh, that hurts. Conviction hurts, doesn't it, sometimes? You know, conviction in the life of a believer, that's a blessing of God drawing your heart to his. Where would we be without the conviction of God? You're listening to and looking for the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And you're building a relationship with Him and He's talking and you're obeying. I'm telling you, do you ever get to where now you, you, you've, you, you, you enter into a room and, you're, and you think to yourself or you think to the Holy Spirit, you just kind of say this prayer, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this room that you want me to take notice of today? I'm about to go to eat lunch with this friend or whoever it is. What do you want me to know? Will you reveal something to me that you want me to know about what I'm about to get into? See, now we're cooking. That's a heart that's fertile. That's, a, that's soil that's fertile for the Holy Spirit to say, you're listening? You're, you're, you're looking for me? Oh, okay, let me see what we can, let's see what we can do here. So you make yourself available, that's fertile. And then look what happens. He says, it produces a harvest. It produces a harvest. See, the gospel starts to grow in your life. See, this is more than just salvation, but the gospel, all the things that come with salvation, it starts to grow in your life and it produces a harvest. Now, 
I want you to chase this down with me. You're living for the Lord. You got fruit being produced in your life. Okay? Who is the consumer of the fruit of your life? Who's the consumer of that fruit? Your children, your family, your co workers, your husband, your wife. See, if you're producing healthy, good fruit, the fruit that people are receiving for, from you will be life-giving to them. It'll be life-giving to them. If, you're, if life, it's life-given to you, but then you're giving it out to others. Then he says... It produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. You know what I thought about when I read that? I thought about an apple tree. A single healthy apple tree can bear enough fruit to feed dozens of people, right? It provides cool shade, maybe. Uh, the flowers, see, that's the thing about an apple tree. It blooms flowers. So now during the springtime, those flowers, uh, they produce something for pollination. And then from this one tree, seeds from this one tree can spread and grow into numerous other apple trees over its lifetime. Do you get where I'm going? Now let me ask you a question. Do you want your life to be so full of life that you're dispensing life? So what kind of soil describes your heart today? What kind of soil do you have? Are you indifferent or oblivious to the gospel, to the good news of Christ? To, to, to what you, say, uh, you, you don't even want, I, I, you, I, don't, you know, I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I'm angry. I don't. I don't. I'm hostile to the gospel. Or do you have rocky soil and you need to tend it? Some things need to be busted up so that you can grow deep roots. And you might be here today and you're like, I can't do that on my own. Things are too painful. I need some help. I'm in pain. I need help. Are you too distracted? Things have been planted. You're here. You're doing it. But you're also doing your own thing. You're trying to serve two masters and you're distracted. There are too many things that you're trying to take on that you feel are required or necessary of you that are not really. And they're clamoring for your attention and for your care. And you're neglecting the things of the gospel. You're neglecting the garden. Or is your heart fertile? That soul, and you're giving life. You're experiencing life to the fullest. See, that's, that's what God wants us to do. That's what he wants for all of us. And you can have that. You can take steps for it today.